We direct our attention now to the Word of God, to 1 Peter chapter 4. Hear now the Word of the Lord. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Love is a stretch. That's Mark's assigned title for our message today. I may just leave that out there and let you think about what that might mean. I'm not sure I do. Except that that is the one grace that is universally demanded throughout Scripture and probably one of the most difficult ones for us to practice. Love is a stretch. In this particular passage, almost everything that's been set forth here has the force of the imperative. We're told to be self-controlled, to be sober-minded. We're told that we are to exercise our gifts. We are to show hospitality. We are to preach the word. We are to serve one another. And we're in this portion of 2 Peter where he is really emphasizing the one another part of the Christian faith. Serving one another, loving one another, bearing one another's burdens, forgiving one another. Paul also uses that phrase over and over and over and emphasizes the corporate, communal fellowship that we have together as believers in Jesus Christ. And the force of the imperative here is that we love one another, but notice it's crafted in the tense of the verb that says keep loving. The assumption is we do. We do love one another. John the Apostle doesn't give us much relief from it. He says, if you say you love God and you don't love your brother, you're a liar. <laughs> if you say you love your brother and you don't treat him in a particular way that's lovingly, you're not a child of God. The interesting little phrase here that uh, we look at just uh, exclusively there in verse eight, above all, this is used several times in the text, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. What does it mean to love one another earnestly? Well, as we saw last week, the whole background of these imperatives, these injunctions 
this horatory language that moves us toward action is against a backdrop of the end of all things. The end is at hand. So loving earnestly means that we don't have a lot of time to do it. We need to get about the business of loving one another, treating one another in a loving way because time is short. The end is near. There is an accounting, there is a reckoning. Loving each other earnestly also means to love each other intentionally. As we'll see in just a moment when we look at the Apostle Paul's parallel ideas, we'll see that we have to kind of make up our mind and understand what loving is. It is an emotion to be sure, but it is more than an emotion. It is a resolve. It's a settled determination to intentionally treat others, especially those of the household of faith, with love that God defines and exemplifies and calls us to. We're not, we're not given any outs. <laughs> we're told to love one another. We're told to love the brotherhood. We're told to love our enemies. That's, that's something I've had difficult. I still can understand how that can be, how we can do that must be only the enabling grace of God that enable us to do something like that. Those that are out to persecute us, to do us harm, to malign our good name, and maybe even take our lives and our property. So we need to know something about what it is. It means to love Earnestly means to love sincerely. It needs to be genuine from the heart, which means we have to have a heart that is filled with love. The Bible tells us the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So there must be some grace. There must be some gift from God that is supplied. He mentions it in the exercise of the gift. He says, serves by the strength that God supplies. So our loving one another has to find a resource. There needs to be a fountain, some place that we can drink. And that is the love of God. It flows from that. There's an interesting phrase here that's used. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. That's an interesting phrase. My mother used to use that a lot. Today's Mother's Day. Let's think of mother for a moment. And my mother would talk about that. She would use that phrase. Love covers a multitude of sins. James finishes his letter by using the same expression. Here he's talking about bringing someone back from wandering from the truth. He says, if someone brings a brother back from wandering from the truth 
Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Same phrase, cover a multitude of sins. Where did James and Peter get this expression and what does it mean exactly? If you read it pretty closely, literally out of James, it sounds like that we're capable of saving someone and atoning and forgiving them their sins by that which we do. And Peter doesn't clear it up too much because it says that love covers a multitude of sins. Is it speaking of covering in the sense of atonement? The covering of sins, that is the atoning of, for sins? I don't really think so. In fact, I think we can find where the apostles got this doctrine and it's from a study of the words of Solomon. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. I think that's a real strong hint as to how we are to relate to one another with continuing in love. That is, we must have an attitude that is forbearing, forgiving, and faithful. An attitude toward one another that is a forbearing love. That means to be long-suffering, to be patient with the offenses of others. If someone says a harsh word to you, you don't return a harsh word. A soft answer turns away wrath. We are to deal with one another in a forbearing, in a, in a patient way. Forbearance means that you forego that which you're legally entitled to. If someone takes an eye, shouldn't you get an eye? If someone takes a tooth, shouldn't you get a tooth? But forbearance says, I'm probably entitled to some recompense. I'm probably entitled to an apology. I'm probably entitled to some rectitude on your part, but I'm not gonna require it. I'm not gonna demand it. I'm not gonna let it stand between you and me in our relationship. No one has this gift naturally more than a mother. Willing to put up with almost all imaginable things from that little two and three year old and still come back in faithfully. It's an overriding love. It's a love that says, no matter what you do, I'm still going to treat you right. It's kind of what Paul says when he said, love bears all things. There's a forbearance in love. Also a forgiving love. It's not enough just to put up with it, to forbear it, but it is to clear the accounts, to wipe the slate clean. I think that's what it means when it says covers. There's a forgiveness, a presumption of forgiveness. 
I stand ready to forgive even if you don't ask for forgiveness. Now, Jesus makes clear in his teaching that forgiveness is reciprocal. In fact, he's stern enough to say right after he taught us the Lord's Prayer to tell us that if we don't forgive our brother and our neighbor, how can we expect God to forgive us? It's a pushing down of that divine attribute, that communicable attribute, that attribute which belongs to God in a perfection, but it is required of us in our situation. God knows what it is like to be a loving God. He is as to his essence love. John tells us that God is love. And the first thing the Lord talks about in the Old Testament when he shows his character, he talks about his long suffering and his forbearance and his love and his mercy toward the people. It's what God is like. And if we're going to be like God, we have to move toward that, a forgiving love and a faithful love. I think that's what Paul means when he talks about love in, in Corinthians 13, where he talks about a love never ends. It never fails. It never stops. Love goes for a lifetime. Love goes deep to the heart and then it moves wide to the community. Oh, this is a grace that we have to pray for and ask God to give us. This is a grace that we've got to, to practice. We pray that God would give us this grace. But when, when I saw the title earlier this week of the sermon, Love is a Stretch, I, like you, probably said, but it is a stretch. It is something we have to take extraordinarily difficult measures in our life to live out, to produce, to actually genuinely love one another. It goes against every instinct of the depraved heart. But when I looked at it a second time, I, I thought hit me that I just couldn't get rid of. And I've tried to talk myself out of mentioning this now for about three days, but I can't do it. <laughs> when I thought about love being a stretch, I thought of the stretch. How when they hung him high, they stretched him wide. And the Bible says that that occurred because of the love of God. Hearing his love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. But God commends His love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Love is a stretch.